0: George Frankie Cardicelli and Chris Watkins, some crossover here, locked on Kings and return of the roar. And we have a doozy of a conversation for you today. Two main different conversations surrounding your Sacramento Kings. Before we get into those, though, gentlemen, I wanted to start asking about the site that I did not expect to see this early which was Vlade Divac, of course, Sacramento Kings legend, but unfortunately he's more known now as the general manager that really failed in Sacramento. He was sitting courtside next to Vivek Ranadive and his replacement, general manager Monty McNair, uh, the other night at the Golden 1 Center. I have no problem at all with Vlade coming, stopping by and, and being in the Golden 1 Center checking out a game. He has free tickets for life as far as I'm concerned with his jersey up and up in the Raptors. But I did not expect to see him McNair and Vivek together so soon after being or after stepping down from the job, I use air quotes there. Stepping down from the job only what 8 9 months ago.
1: Yeah, we're not even a full calendar year removed from uh, from him being "quote unquote" removed uh, from that position. Uh, definitely one of those things that seems like it would only happen to the Sacramento Kings. Like no other professional sports organization would have this kind of ridiculous has that, story has that come out
2: before. Has There's ever no way. I mean, like- there's there's
1: absolutely no way.
2: I, I just, I've never seen that in my own life, but it it was cool because I don't think that many people that have become the GMs of a team are fan favorites with their jerseys and the rap. I mean, that's happened before, but Vladdy was a fan favorite, his numbers in the rafters. Uh, what he stands for in the Kings organization and the Kings fan base is more than his five years as GM. Granted, there were some painful moments in those five years that we're going to remember for a while, but uh, when it comes down to it, even with the end of Petrie's 10 years GM into – uh, Kings legend Pete D'Alessandro's tenure. I mean, they've all made plenty of mistakes. Uh, you think about Petrie passing on Damian Lillard for Thomas Robinson. You think about Pete D'Alessandro letting Isaiah Thomas go for a bag of corn nuts. And now you look at Vladi and his mistakes with Luka Doncic. Uh, mistakes happen, but Vladi still is Vladi Divac. He's a fan favorite. I'm, I'm happy to see him back in the building. It was kind of cool to see.
0: Chris, I thought it was interesting because you were at the arena capturing a lot of the pictures and video. I thought it was interesting after the game, a lot of uh, Kings personnel came up to show some love to Vlade, which is awesome. It was cool to see his former teammate and assistant coach, Bobby Jackson, come up to him. But then you saw luke walton come up to him which vlade hired luke uh, and there's questions on whether or not luke is going to be still the sacramento kings head coach by the end of this upcoming offseason but you and i both noticed right away <laughs> the first two people to approach vlade after the game buddy healed and marvin bagley buddy healed the man who vlade paid and marvin bagley the man who vlade drafted
1: yeah you really hit it on the head there um just to take me back to to the day of, I mean, the second the game was, it was what a what did that game end up being like a twenty five to thirty point
2: blowout twenty eight.
1: So you know, once once the the result of the the game was kind of established, the the story of the entire game. I mean, all anyone was talking about was Vladi being there. So I knew that you know, the second the horn went off, all eyes had to be on Vladi. And uh, yeah, like you said, the first two people who came up was Buddy Healed, the guy who. You know, just this time last season, uh, Buddy was—I'm sorry—not around this time at the uh, at the start of last season, Buddy was uh, complaining almost on a <laughs> on a daily basis about his contract. Uh, it was the talk of pretty much the whole beginning of the start of last season, and then uh, eventually got paid. And Marvin Bagley, of course, is the one that uh, that Vladi decided to pick over Luka Doncic. So that definitely did not uh, did not go over my head the fact that those two were the first uh first to say give vladi a very very warm and again like Hugs. like we've been saying there's nothing vladi deserves nothing vladi by all intents and purposes was the nicest guy every single day oh, yeah. walking around oh, yeah. that office so it's no surprise that people are happy to see him which is i even think what uh luke said in the post game he was like you know i've known vladi since the day i walked in the league and i just can't help but when i see him to smile so he, he just has that kind of personality so i wouldn't expect anything less than the welcome he got but uh doesn't change the fact it was just it was just weird and that also added to the the weirdness because then i mean i don't know if other people have done it but also i for a little bit thought about well i wonder why Rashawn holmes didn't go and say hello and you know, De'Aaron Fox then go and say hello. It just, you know, I, I'm not meaning to uh, start any controversies, but I just thought that was interesting.
0: Well, with De'Aaron Fox, he's – actually, no, he was there, wasn't he? Because yeah. he's now out he of health there. and yep. safety protocols. Yep. Maybe they went in the back. We, we I'm don't... sure
1: – yeah, I don't want to say that, you know, they hate Vladi and definitely were cursing I, just, his name as he telling, walked by. was though, that but those were yes, the first two yes. guys to have over there. There were people there. who were very excited to see <laughs> yeah And
0: Walton yeah. was a quick number three with Monty McNair just kind of standing over there in the background like, well – um it's my team now, guys. Hey, remember me over here, which I thought it was interesting, Frankie. Like, the optics of it is one thing of, hey, the the former and the current general manager in such a short period of time being so close together and interacting together. But I'll tell you what concerned me about it the most, and I'm probably being overdramatic here, and, and I openly admit it, but in this entire period of Vivek Ranadive being an owner – he has had way too many voices. He's had way too many advisors. Vlade was an advisor before he became a general manager. So as much as I'd understand Vivek and um, and McNair wanted to have Vlade over for some fun talk and some banter. And I, I imagine McNair took the opportunity to ask Vlade or has taken the opportunity to ask Vlade, hey, how would you handle this? Or, or what do you think of that? Because still most of this team is Vlade's team. I hope to God that Vlade is not still in some kind of advisory role to Vivek and Monty McNair in some way, shape, or form, because why would you have the guy who failed here who you just got rid of advise you? And it doesn't it's not even that it's a Vlade thing. It's just I'm tired of the advisors. In Sacramento, Joe, these Joe Dumars. There's no disrespect to Joe. I'm just I'm tired of these guys. Just give Monty McNair the keys. Let him make his decision. If he fails, we know it's on him at least. Yeah, I mean the Joe
2: Dumars, the Chris Mullins, uh, potentially the Vladdy Devots is in the air now. It's just it, it did it did seem a little strange. How it was very upfront. How he's courtside. He's out there in the open. They didn't bring him up and put him in a box. Like they didn't give him any sure. of that treatment. They had him on the floor and. With the with the new GM with the owner, it wasn't it. It was not a very uh, under the radar type of appearance. It, it does kind of it did make some people wonder: is there a possibility because he still is getting paid by the Kings for at least uh, one more season, I believe, or two more? Um, why not bring him in and have him just kind of help out again a little bit here and there? So I don't know if that's going to be what happens. It does seem a little bit of a, a, a potential risk that. Him and Vivek we're we're buddying it up and and uh Vladi is still on payroll. So uh hopefully there is no more meddling. I would love Monty to just have the keys of the kingdom, let him keep doing the things he's been doing. <laughs> obviously the trade deadline pieces are playing great right now. Uh he knocked it out of the park, obviously. So um yeah, hopefully Vladi can just stay uh King's legend, Vladdy Divots, uh not King's, you know, front office executive
0: it would have been great if there was no context vlade standing in his normal gm spot in the tunnel how he stood in the (laughs) the king's home tunnel and just leaned and that's how where he watched games every night as the king's gm imagine if he had shown up and was just standing there with vivek and monty sitting courtside Everybody's just wondering why vlade is here and who let him in the building type thing uh but that that's going to transition us into the main two pieces of of, uh, conversation that all three of us wanted to gather around uh, to, to talk about and, and both of these are questions that I kind of threw out uh, on Twitter during that Kings blow of the Oklahoma City Thunder unfortunately that game could have been a lot more meaningful than it was after the loss to the San Antonio Spurs but during this stretch where the Kings have won seven of ten they're all of a sudden very successful even with their significant injuries to Fox who's likely done for the season Barnes who's likely done for the season Halliburton who we know is done for the season this team is still continuing to win and a lot of that has to do with the play of Of the guys that are supposed to be second unit guys who are now getting some major first unit minutes. the DeLon Wright, uh, Chemezi Metu, uh, Damian Jones, I think Terrence Davis has been fantastic. Mo Harkless had a great game against Oklahoma City. And depth is something that the Kings really struggled with throughout the season. So I threw the question out and I want to pose it to you guys and we'll talk about it a little bit. If the Kings were to have this current roster right now and we were to restart the season with a clean slate of health, I'm not saying the Kings would remain healthy throughout the entire year, but they restart. Uh, tonight is game one of the season. This is the roster, and everybody's completely healthy. Do the Sacramento Kings have a better or worse record than the current eight-seed Golden State Warriors right now who are 36-33? and 33?
1: Frank, do you want to take that? I can take that first well,
0: if you want. I mean, you can
1: go for it, yeah. Um I I would say yeah. I mean, I think a big a big issue, uh, and if you go back and listen to a lot of me and Frankie's first couple uh episodes of the season, we felt like our backup guard rotation was was a huge, huge sore spot. And I mean, you know, we it got a lot of the blame got put on Corey Joseph specifically, but um realistically, Corey Joseph was just being asked a bigger role than what he was capable of providing, and I think if you have Terrence Davis, uh, DeLon Wright in there from Jump Street, I think that can for sure I, – I don't know if necessarily the Kings would be three games above 500. That would be uh, – I, I can't do math right now. That would be a pretty decent uh, swing in games, but – at least be hovering I would say that they'd be pretty
0: pretty firmly in the play-in game so the reason why I picked the the Golden State Warriors is because they're in the final actual Mm -hmm. legit playoff playoff seed. so that's kind of what I'm basing it off The play-in tournament is still a thing and I I like it I hope they keep it around but the Kings are obviously shooting to be one of the solid top eight teams that actually make the playoffs and there's a pretty significant advantage to Mm -hmm. be seven and eight versus nine and ten
2: yeah yeah definitely Um, I mean if you look at it this way who is the replacements, it was Glenn Robinson III, Corey Joseph, and Nemanja Bialica. So um, obviously the team was not playing well with those three on the roster. Look at what DeLon Wright, Terrence Davis, and Moharkless have done. Uh, put that over a full season. They're 30-38 right now. I'd say, yeah, why not? I mean, minus the nine-game losing streak, which has kind of been... Uh, <laughs> which one? <laughs> which one? Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a black <laughs> eye uh, on, the, on the season so far, both of them. Uh, but most, you know, more in particular, the, the nine-game losing streak that happened Recently. shortly after the deadline. Um, the Kings have played pretty well. They've won five of six. They're looking for six of seven tonight against Oklahoma City. Um, the team plays well. DeLon Wright has been obviously a, a great, significant upgrade over Corey Joseph. Uh, Mo Harkless has re- revived his career. Terrence Davis is showing potential to be a, a king for, for years to come. Uh, I, I would put them at least in the nine-eight range. Yeah, absolutely. They're thirty and thirty-eight right now. You break up that nine-game losing streak. That puts you at 33 and 35 alone I mean it's just I I, I like the potential of his team over a full season
0: I I look at this stretch of success that the Kings are enjoying right now and I compare it to their two other solid stretches of success and this one stands out in a major way to me and I'll tell you why the first stretch I remember at the start of the season Tyrese Halliburton got off to a great start and Harrison Barnes was also playing out of his mind mm-hmm. like we were talking about holy crap career year across the board for Harrison Barnes with how he started the season then he he didn't necessarily crash back down to earth, but slowly but surely he he started kind of mellowing out and, and bottoming out again. And then the second winning stretch that the Kings went on was just De'Aaron Fox going Super Saiyan. Like, he could not be stopped. Nobody could stop him. So, the first stretch is off the backs of kind of two guys, but mainly Harrison Barnes. Second stretch is completely on the back of De'Aaron Fox. This stretch is, to me, a team stretch where... Now, granted, the quality of opponents the Kings are playing right now, which I hate that argument because the Kings, we know, play to the level of their competition. So a win is a win for Sacramento in my book. But also they're playing teams at the end of the season when some are intentionally trying to lose and yada, yada, yada. Context, context, context. Beggars can't be choosers. Right. My point is... This is what I'm seeing from the group right now is better team basketball, and and the perfect example of that is the fact that what four out of the last five games the Kings have held their opponents to under 100 points. Yeah. like that's something they were not even close that's to doing, possible. even when Fox and Barnes were playing. I mean, there right. was a stretch
1: where the Kings were allowing all their opponents 120 points.
0: Mm-hmm. So it might have been uh, 130. Almost. Yeah,
1: that that I mean, yeah, that swing is, and I I remember saying it earlier in the year. You know, the Kings probably weren't the worst defensive team that has ever stepped on an NBA court before, but, um, they also, you know, they weren't far off it. Um, I'm wondering, um, you guys were talking earlier about, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about the nine game losing streak. the, the most recent one. Do you think that maybe that could be attributed to the fact that Monty waited so long to make a move that, by the time they eventually did i mean they, those guys got in there late in the season and they really weren't able to fully adjust and had to figure it out in game and i think part you know maybe 3 4 of those games could have been you know gone differently just because they would have had more time to play together and wouldn't have had to figure it out in those games
2: yeah i mean it definitely is something that could it makes sense i the the fact that i, I I can't remember who – I don't believe it, but I think uh, just as an example of how teams haven't had much time to practice over the past I think season, it's a big deal. Very, very big deal. Well, I mean, Doc Rivers said uh, – or no, it wasn't Doc Rivers, sorry. Tyron Lue said – Oh, jeez. Uh, whoops. Awkward. Big difference. Tyron Lue, the current head coach of the Clippers. Los Angeles Clippers, right. uh, he said that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard had, had one practice together over the past season plus, and – uh you look at the King's schedule, it's been very on top of, you know, all the games are at least one day apart. There's not much of a gap. I think the, the season high for a break between games has been two full days. So, yeah, I mean, not being able to get acclimated with each other. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the schedule right here. It was shortly after that Spurs game. Uh, well, actually, it was actually the, the next game where that nine-game losing streak started, and that was only a couple of games removed mm-hmm. to the deadline. So, um, the team was playing well, and, Again, if you had time to put a system in place and get these guys acclimated, which it seems like they have have gotten at this to point, at this point, yeah.
1: But also, you could mention the fact that you know, Darren the most important the, the team isn't there. I yeah. mean, it's it's the rest of the guys, but it's great if the rest of the guys play together. I need the rest of the guys to play well when the guy is out there as well.
0: And I think that's a natural concern with this win streak right now is, okay, the team is successful, but De'Aaron is not there. Tyrese Halliburton is not there. Harrison Barnes is not there. And Those I would argue pieces. they're
1: playing different way. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, De'Lon Wright, me and Frankie talked about it last week. He's, it's, you know, obviously the team is winning without him and they weren't winning with De'Aaron Fox. There's not, you know, there's not a direct line between the right. two, but um, there is something there. And I think it's the fact that De'Lon Wright does do – a better job, I would say, of making sure everybody's getting the ball. And that's, you know, De'Aaron Fox is a star player. He, we want him. We have, we begged De'Aaron Fox almost for a year to be aggressive and take shots and not, 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 not pass to his teammates, but really look for his shot above everything else. And I just think, you know, when Delon's in the game, he's more of a facilitator. For everybody, And I think that leads to more team success for sure. But, um, you know, that's that's not necessarily going to work when De'Aaron's playing as
0: well. Before we move on to the the second part of our conversation, going back to your question, Chris and, and Frankie, you brought up practice time. And this is something that Luke Walton's talked about a lot. And look, this is an even playing field. Everybody's dealing with low practice time right now. Uh and, and a lot of fans just like to I think nitpick on almost anything Luke Walton says. Uh, and I understand it to some extent, but I think Walton is 100 percent correct here. I mean, normally when you acquire players at the trade deadline, there is an adjustment period for them to come in, especially with the amount of impact players the Kings went out and got. I mean, how many have we listed? Delon Wright, Terrence Davis, Mo Harkless. That's a whole uh, rotation. <laughs> yeah, those three right there. There were they, yeah, it's it's part of it's most of your rotation that yep. has to now adapt and adjust, and you're doing that without practice time. And Walton made a great point. I think he did it in an interview. On Sports Forty KHDK with Doug Christie and, and Jason Ross. They asked him about that practice time. And Luke said, look, go back and look at the games after every single practice that we've had this year. There haven't been many, but in those games, the Kings have gotten off to good starts as a result of that practice time. I do think that's incredibly important. And, and I, I give Luke that benefit of the doubt there. But I think we would all agree, But and correct me if I'm wrong here, as as. Good as this team is playing right now, even though they're not at full strength, and as much as I like this depth, the Kings can't run this team back, right? They can't just run this group back, can they? Because all of a sudden I'm seeing people say, well, if Fox was healthy and and Halliburton was healthy and Barnes was healthy, the Kings probably would have made the play-in tournament and defeated the Spurs. I mean, I think that's a little bit of a reach, but are we all in agreement that you don't run this team back or would you consider it?
2: Well, not this exact group, no. I mean, the one thing I'm looking at that is interesting, though, is this team has never played together, all together fully healthy before because the last game where the the roster was fully healthy, was the Charlotte Hornets game when <laughs> Marvin Bagley broke his, his, his hand. And that was with Corey Joseph, Nemanja Bielitsa, and, and those guys on the team Was that the, the Charlotte
1: Hornets game?
2: The, no, no. this is the oh, one okay. before. Gotcha. Uh, or this is the one after, shortly after, the one on the road where Marvin hurt his hand. Gotcha. And that was when the team was fully healthy. There hasn't been a game where De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, De'Lon Wright, all these guys have been playing together at the same time. And while it's a nice thought to see how this team could do it all together as a whole – you have to think that one of Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, um one of Harrison Barnes or Buddy healed are probably not going to be here next season, or Marvin Bagley. So, it's it's something we have to think about. I don't think running this team back is going to be the answer to solving the playoff drought. But hey, we can't deny the fact that the guys have been playing well over the past six, seven games. Even if, even if it is the schedule
0: kind of opening up a little
2: bit, six out of seven or five out of six is still impressive.
0: So let's wrap up with this quick exercise. Here's a list of players currently on the Kings right now, and we're going to decide uh, who's being kept and who is being moved or the Kings are going to attempt to move.
1: Should we do it one by one or should we do just
0: uh, i I'll, for- I'll read out the full list, and then we'll go one by for one. Sure. Uh, and uh, so the list is Buddy Healed. Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, Rashawn Holmes, Mo Harkless, Terrence Davis, and DeLon Wright. I intentionally left Damian Jones and Shemezi Metu off there because they just signed new contracts, so I'm assuming that the Kings gave them those contracts with the expectation that they're going to still be around. So we'll start with maybe the biggest one this offseason, or if not second biggest to Marvin Bagley, and that's Buddy Heald. Moving him, keeping him, trying to make it work. Where are you guys at?
1: i mean i if i am personally in charge i would try and move buddy um i just think a i've said it for a long time i think his skill set is something that is is incredibly valuable in this nba but we're also seeing with a player like terrence davis um but you know i point out Joe Harris is the extreme example, but you know there's got the point is shooting isn't hard to find. Duncan if you're Robinson, sh- Duncan Robinson, whatever. Yeah, if you're looking for somebody who is just an elite shooter, which Buddy has started to show some passing ability, some legit passing ability. Um, I don't know about playmaking ability, but he, he he'll find an open man. Um, well, it smarter do, moves, making smarter moves. Making smarter moves, for sure. That's yeah. that's the way of putting it. He's he's playing a lot smarter. He's giving a lot of effort defensively. Um, I wouldn't say he's a black hole anymore defensively. He's, you know, by no means a stopper. Point is, I would try and move on from him. I'm not entirely sure that's what the team's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, like, yeah, if, if I'm making that move, I personally just don't see uh, the value in paying Buddy Heald something so ridiculous when I just think you yeah. can... Get that skill set and probably more pieces um, for for cheaper.
2: Yeah, I mean, not to get too ahead and like look and get onto the Barnes, but like, subject. But if we have a choice of keeping Harrison Barnes or Buddy Heel, yeah. they're both making over tw- over twenty million dollars per season. Um, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and choose to, to retain Barnes and, and move Buddy. So I'd move Buddy just because we have two guards in the roster now in Tyrese Halliburton and Terrence Davis who. I would be okay with running out, you know, in those minutes for Buddy. Like, especially Tyrese, obviously he's in well, the future. I
1: mean, I think you can run a three guard with Delon
2: as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, I think if
1: just those guys split a lot of the minutes, because personally, I mean, we can get to Terrence Davis later, well, but
2: And don't get me wrong, Buddy his shooting is there's not many in the league that can shoot like him. And that will be something that we notice if he is moved that in the offense there won't be that constant threat of mm-hmm. of Buddy. I mean Tyrese is a statistically better shooter but on less attempts i mean yeah i think um, i
1: remember in that one game buddy missed i think we only took like 10 three point yeah.
2: attempts buddy he chucks man and on some nights he gets hot and it's really it's very fun to watch but um it's just if we're gonna restructure this roster and, and free up space i have to i has to be buddy that has to move
0: yeah buddy's also incredibly reliable which i don't think we give him enough credit for in terms of he's there night mm-hmm. in and night out there he's are bit, missed one he's game he's only missed one game uh, and that's a that's something that I think teams take for granted until you don't have it, mm-hmm. like in the situation of of Marvin Bagley here in Sacramento. Uh, I think I mean Buddy Hield is ten times more reliable than Marvin Bagley is, and that's just a fact. But uh, Frankie, to your point, it's impossible to look and make a decision on Buddy Hield without having others in mind Mm -hmm. meaning the rest of the offseason moves in mind and this is what I think works against I guess well maybe against and for Buddy Heald the most is his contract situation Mm -hmm. if the Kings are moving on from Buddy Heald it's not not because they don't think that he could somewhat fit with this team because I think he could be brilliant for this team off the bench as a backup for uh for Tyrese Halliburton but if you move Buddy Heald's contract, especially if you're taking on dead money or picks or something in return to where it frees up cap space, that's a diff- that affects what you do with Rashawn Holmes. That affects mm-hmm. what you do with uh, the rest of this list, really, and what you're going to try and do in, the in maybe the trade market and in free agency. Like Buddy Heald is eating up a ton of cap space, so it's going to be difficult, in my opinion, to move his contract, but if you can do it, you probably should for that reason. We're going to kind of speed up yep. through more of these, but the next important, the second most important one is Marvin Bagley. And I'll start with this one because for me, it was move no matter what. And then his return happened. And I, I said it and I, I still say, I stand by him returning and playing in these games at the end of the season. To me, it, I didn't see much of a point to it. Because he wasn't going to do anything, even with the great game against the Pacers. He's not going to do anything that is going to so drastically change the mind of GMs outside of Sacramento that they're just going to forget all of his injury issues and all of the baggage that comes with Marvin, unfortunately. It's not going to... All of a sudden, his value is not going to skyrocket because he's put up good numbers at the end of a failed season. But at the same time, I think Marvin has reminded me that... He is still young, there is still a ton of potential, and there's no way in hell you move this guy for nothing. Just You don't do that. You don't just give him away for rags just to get him off your roster, which was a a bit of a wake-up call for me. So I would try to move Marvin and get something of value in return, something of a a first-round pick range or a young player in return range. But if you can't get that, you got to hold on to the guy.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, the the deal has to be right. That's the only way I make that deal at this point is the deal has to be right. Uh, He has one more deal, one more year left on his deal. I'm fully comfortable with him playing that out and seeing what happens in the free agent market next offseason if they choose to retain him. Uh, But he's shown, hey, he's 14-7. Every season of his career has been 14-7, 50% from the field. I'll I'll take that any night. See, I'm I'm glad that you guys didn't have the take that I have because
1: I personally – I would move him. I would package him with Buddy, and I think you can get something really, really, really nice with that. I think uh, to your point, Matt. um, I had the same feeling about Marvin coming back. I was definitely like, "What the hell is the point? Like, I don't want to watch this dude just go out there for ten games and give half-ass. You know, because and I expected him to give half-ass effort because the games were meaningless at that point. He was pretty much being thrown out to. It seemed just raise his trade value, um, but he's came out and played his ass off and played great. I mean, he's he's had probably two of his best games of his career in this in this stretch. Um, but I just think at the end of the day, I think the Marvin Bagley experience is probably over here in Sacramento. I think it's it's played its course. Um, I just I don't see if you bring him back next year it's kind of just re-rolling the dice and hoping that this time, I mean, it's, it's pretty much just like your question that you asked us before of like, you know, if this team rolls out next year, would, would it be different? It's the same question with Marvin. If we roll Marvin out next year and he plays 80 games, is, is he happy all of a sudden? Is he, you know, is he back on the, the Kings timeline? Because I think if you bring him back next year, you're not realistically expecting him to be part of the core. If he is, It's kind of gravy, Um, but I just don't think, like, to your point earlier as well, I don't think you can rely on him as a franchise.
0: Yeah. It's, of course, going to depend on how the draft lottery shakes out, but I think the Kings could be very active trade-wise on draft night, and Bagley and Buddy and even Barnes, who's next, might be the the pieces that are floated around in all these rumors on trade night, especially if Monty McNair wants to do what he said he was going to do when he came in and, and, and... keep his options open to acquire another star or star-caliber player to pair with this current Kings core. We'll speed through the rest of these. Harrison Barnes, keep, move. I'm keeping it. I'd keep. Keep. Yeah. Have to keep. Declining Unle-
1: contract as well, so he just right. keeps getting more valuable. But There's,
0: if you need to free up money and you can't move Buddy, Marvin, or, I mean, Harrison's going to be a lot easier to move. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah.
2: Yeah. lot of more suitors. The trade well. value has to be high, and, and I don't know who can replace Harrison Barnes realistically. That can even remotely match that, con- you know, his contributions. So...
0: This one is is very important too, Rashawn Holmes. I mean, a lot of it depends on how much money the Kings can free up, but we don't even know what Rashawn Holmes' value is. He's a top priority for me to keep if I'm in Sacramento, but you also, I mean, you're, you're kind of at the mercy of the market.
1: I've been thinking about this a lot with Rashawn recently. Can I make the same argument that I made with Buddy for Rashawn where it's like, we're getting to a point where I'm not entirely sure what he does is really as valuable as what people are trying to price him at. And I know wow. I've heard a lot of people Jeez. say ten to fourteen million, which is not going crazy or whatever, but I've had this feeling where it's like it's great that Rashawn puts up these twenty and fourteen games, but realistically, if you're on a playoff team, if you're on a really good team, I would want Rashawn Holmes averaging like eight to ten 10 to 12 point I don't want him really being that big a part of the offense and I feel like you know there's some extreme examples with super teams but really you look at the best teams in the NBA right now not right now because Jokic and Embiid are ridiculous but um, a lot of teams go cheap on center you look at you know Brook Lopez or whatever for 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 uh, Milwaukee uh, I just think you can get cheap cheap options and granted you know you'll get your Damian Jones' of the world who aren't as skilled, but what do you really need your center to do?
0: But that's the thing is the the market might go that way, because like you said, the big man market can be so cheap and, and the money's not out there for bigs that Rashawn might not get no. more. If he gets $8 mil- eight, in COVID world, eight to twelve
1: million dollars so. a year, fourteen even, I think the Kings will probably sign him. Who but, are
0: the Kings gonna bid against? Like that's yeah. the question. If a team comes swooping in and says here's sixteen yeah. million, the Kings probably can't oh, no. compete yeah. with yeah. that. But that
1: would also require a team to really prioritize Rashawn Holmes and free agency. And right. I think the teams that were rumored were, you know, Toronto and Charlotte and, you know, teams in that Uh, lower playoff range, and it's like, are are they really, to my point, are they going to prioritize $16 million to their center who isn't, you know, we all love Rashawn, but how much really better, you know, I don't think Rashawn Holmes is all of a sudden going to add a three-point shot to his game and, and, uh,
2: and become a different player.
0: You keeping him, Frankie? You moving him? I'm I'm keeping him again, like
2: if the price is right, that's kinda I'm I'm saying that on a lot of these things. But yeah, like you said, if someone's gonna offer him sixteen million, that's that's not gonna happen. He's not gonna be able to be retained. But uh I've seen I think Bobby Mark said that he has him valued at eleven million. I think that's that's pretty doable to me, uh, from what he brings to the table. He leads the league in field goal percentage or he's in the top three at least. For sure. Uh the the jump he's made since coming to Sacramento, he's only twenty seven years old. Um he he doesn't need to be that involved like Chris said, but I don't feel like he is too involved. He, I like how the guards find him in the paint for the push shot. I mean, that I, I can it's live with that. It's a legit weapon. You know, as long as they don't run the offense through him like we do with Boogie, like where you're giving it to him in the post and clearing out. I don't think that'll ever happen. But right. um, he's been he's been a really good player over the past two years, and he's going to get paid this offseason. Hopefully, it's something the Kings can afford. But um, I love to keep him if I can because we've we've seen what the 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 cheaper options. Which Dwayne Dedmon wasn't a cheap option, but he should have been <laughs> that type of player. Those type of players that come in and, and fill in. Yeah. Um, Kings getting a guy in the middle that's going to produce, and and I really do like Rashawn Holmes' game.
0: We'll lump these final three together: Mo Harkless, Terrence Davis, and Delon Wright. I'll, I mean, I'll just run through the, th- uh, the three. Mo Harkless is on like a three point six million dollar contract. If you can get him for that cheap, just to add wing depth, absolutely. Yep. Uh, Terrence Davis, I think, can replace a lot of what Buddy Heel does if you move on from him. Although he's below Mo and, and Delon Wright for me, but I, I would probably keep him depending upon what the rest, of the, the rest of the moves. And then Delon Wright. Backup point guard, adds depth. Like, there's a no-brainer, DeLon Wright, which he's on the second year, of it, or he has another year on his contract, yeah. so the Kings don't have to negotiate anything. They just wouldn't trade him, Yeah, basically. Yep,
2: I I'm, keep DeLon Wright, absolutely. He's more than shown that he can carry an offense if, if uh, De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese are out. Um, Terrence Davis, like you said, I completely agree. Uh, watching him play, it's very, very reminiscent to what Buddy Hill brings to the table. He's not as good of a shooter as Buddy, but he's very active. He has a crazy motor uh, speed love him to be on the roster next year he's a restricted free agent obviously so the kings love finals saying that Mo harkless uh kings fans are loving what he's bringing to the table uh while he's been here only problem is i think he might have played himself into a little more of a payday than the kings can afford i don't know about that he might have been maybe. on a, like a league minimum type of deal before he came here yeah, like, oh for sure but yeah now he was on his way out he might get a, a two-year five million six million dollar deal yeah. at this point and maybe that is too much for the no, Kings to, good to point, point
1: good point I, I definitely agree with you guys I think uh yeah DeLon absolutely needs to stay Luke at the beginning of the year was talking a, the, a big issue with their defense was they weren't getting a lot of deflections I think DeLon Wright plays the passing lane just about as well as anybody else on the team yeah. including Tyrese Halliburton uh, I think I was looking at Steels leaders earlier and uh Tyrese DeLon and De'Aaron are all in the top 20 in Steels. that's that seems like something that you can build on um so I really like that Mo Harkless. Love everything he's done, um, you know. Especially if we can get him at a low number. Terrence Davis, I agree with you, Matt. I think he can do a lot of the things that uh, that Buddy can do in terms of replacing what Buddy could do if we do move on from him. Um, I'm just not entirely sure how much how much of a role I would give him. I feel like currently, right now, in, you know, there's injuries, but um, I'd ideally like Terrence Davis around like 10 minutes a game. That was our conversation with one Matthew Boogie George. Uh always great to speak with uh with Matt. Boogie <laughs> Yeah. Uh we actually had just a little inside knowledge here knowledge, uh inside Scoop. information here. Uh we had to end that a little bit early because uh, well, we all have responsibilities, but
2: specifically Matt had to uh, be the Sac Republic man. So, yeah, Matt to... does do a lot of great coverage for um, you know Sports 1140 HDK, regarding the Sacramento Republic FC. Check out his work. Check out his podcast, by the way. At Locked On Kings, yep. um, I believe it's a daily uh, Sacramento Kings podcast, yeah. and so and we'll be having Matt you know, on over the summer, over the off season, uh, yeah. often, frequently. So thank you, Matt, for having us on for that fun and little little crossover.
1: Appreciate it, Matt. Getting the the summer of guests started yes. early. Um, be expecting a lot of guests as we've been saying. For the past couple weeks, um, Frank, are you, are you, uh, you got any more basketball thoughts before we head no. or any thoughts hey, on this? is, this is the
2: final episode before the offseason. Man,
1: is it. This is it. should we play some Boys the Men right now? <laughs> like, it's so <laughs> hard to say, to say goodbye, goodbye to yesterday. <laughs> yeah, uh, hopefully that clears, uh. We get, we get a loss. <laughs> yeah, on our we, desk can, tomorrow. we just get, catch a fat lot Well, it's all right because Matt can split it, so yeah. we're splitting it three ways. Matty got us right. Sorry about that, Matty.
2: Uh, got a kid on the way. Hopefully,
1: <laughs> <laughs> hopefully he can find this in his budget. <laughs>
2: yeah, just help us out a little bit, boys uh, to men when you know when they sue us.
1: <laughs> so, uh, well, actually, we should at least mention this uh, since last time we recorded. We were talking pretty heavily about. Um, The Kings potentially making the playoffs, making the play-in tournament, sneaking in past the Spurs. Um, They were two and a half games out when they played the Spurs the other night. Uh, Everyone who is listening to this, I assume, saw what happened. But for those who didn't, the Kings did not prevail, fell back to three and a half back. Sorry, there's I thought like, I thought a fire alarm was going off for a second.
2: There's like Power
1: Rangers noises coming from. the um, hallway. I think they're looking for studs or something. Anyway, <laughs>
2: we <Well>, they <laughs> they got two in here. Hey! Yeah,
1: Thank you guys for listening. Still, all right, because um, we are clearly on one. Um, I lost my train of thought, but uh, no, just like yeah. they lost the Spurs. Oh, they lost the Spurs. Are now two and I think they're two and uh, a half. The Spurs back. beat Milwaukee two, yeah, last they night. They beat Milwaukee. The Kings of. Beating no KC. It doesn't matter, really. Uh, the it, Spurs would still have to lose out, and I believe the Kings would have to win out the rest of their games.
2: It's, it's done. Yeah.
1: It's over. So I don't think anybody should really uh, put any stock
2: into no. the Kings making the playoffs. Aaron uh, Fox is done. Tyrese Halberton yeah. is done for the season. Harrison Barnes. They're all going to be shut down. It would not shock me at the shutdown. Buddy or Marvin. Um, the bench is going to be empty. We're going to see a lot of Louis King, I think. We're going to see a lot of Jemias Ramsey. We're going to see a lot of... Um, Mo Harkless, as he keeps every game, you can literally give hear the, the, me Mo buckets. Yep, you can hear the money just going into his bank account because of he he's obviously boosting his his value as a free agent. Um, so yeah, end of the road, like you said, don't sue us, boys to men. Um, I'm ready for the off season. I'm ready for the rumors. I'm ready for you know the, the possibility of a maybe coaching change, even though it's probably not likely. I'm I'm, I'm ready Turning for all the I'm ready for what's next. I'm ready for the, the big stories, the the changes. Uh, the hope when the roster changes are made, the 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 feeling of you know hope, of hope, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm ready to get through these next couple games.
1: Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree with you. I think I mean, and that's really the fun of being a fan is is the the stuff that's not real. You know, not the practical day to day games where you can factually see how good or bad your team is. It's a lot funner to. Hypothesize about what could happen and what might happen and what these guys could do together uh, than to usually actually see it play out to fruition. Definitely, so, yeah, uh, d- definitely agree with you. Can't do wait.
2: You, do you want to just give out? I mean, a king of the week. Just what my king of the week? Sure. Off the top
1: of my head, it's Delon Wright. Yeah, I we're, mean, we're he, in agreement. Uh, you, you've, I think you've done a great job of chronicling how well Delon Wright's played. I think in the past, uh, he's got four starts now in a row. Yeah, uh, he's averaging seventeen, seven, and seven. Yep. Uh, again, I think we said it last week, but it seems like on a nightly basis he's a triple-double threat, which, you know, whatever. Shout out Russell Westbrook, but um, that is what it is. But it just more means to say DeLon is somebody who is is getting his fingerprints all over the game. And, like, you see him playing passing lanes. Um, he's shooting, like, 40% from three. We've talked about how he. We just talked about with Matt how he he's a great facilitator, does a great job of giving getting everyone involved, and I think we talked last
2: week about how he's just so great at getting easy easy buckets. Yeah, I mean it's been fun to watch, fun to watch King of the Week, uh, unanimous, uh, Coal Machine. Do, <laughs> do we have one? Do We have a cool uh, they, they they, I mean, they've been playing so well. Has anyone really yeah, played that's a poorly? Little disrespectful? Um, I and mean, buddies look like he's been playing well and doing more. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think we're just gonna go ahead and just. We're gonna not I think We're fine. One. I mean, I'm. I, I.
1: No, we're fine. I don't. I don't need. I don't. To, I don't, I don't need up. to disrespect it. We're we're almost done with the
2: season. Let's not. And in honor of the column of the, <laughs> <laughs> the cola machine of the week, we're gonna give it to Corey Joseph.
1: Hey, there we go. Always the honorary cola machine member of the week, Corey Joseph. I have no idea what he's doing in Detroit. I, don't he's, I honestly don't think he's playing. I think he's being held out. <laughs> Here's so something crazy: out, yeah. is Corey Joseph playing so <laughs> well that he? is being held out to prevent the Pistons from winning basketball games.
2: Maybe, but I will say this. uh, Kojo, since being traded to the Pistons, he's shooting 50% from the field, which he's never shot. Or 51%, which it's a career high. Of course. uh, 35% from three, which is his highest since 2017. 11.9 points per game. 5.6 assists per game, career high. 1.2 steals per game, career high.
0: So...
1: Yes, and of course we were just talking with Matt about. I was saying, you know, Corey Joseph was a big problem the first half of the season, and Thank if we would have gotten that Corey Joseph, I don't know if we would have been complaining as much. He's been balling, and, you know. Obviously, opportunity is a, is a huge, huge reason for for Corey's, Corey's success, also, but nonetheless,
2: I mean, would have loved to see him. He, do a, a smaller version he of that was starting for. I mean, career high twenty six points per uh, minutes per game. Excuse me, so. He's been playing. He's been held out, but I'm going to give him the machine just because it's it's. We shouldn't rename it the Corey Joseph Award. Yeah, in his honor. Yeah, we're not going to. But no. it's a it's the a Coke Joe Award. The Coke Joe Award. All right. Anyways, uh, any other thoughts before yeah. we wrap this up? Um, how's your baseball team hunt going? <sighs> Did you find a baseball team yet? Man,
1: oh man, no, I have not. Um Again, I mean, I'm going to continue to say it. I just keep watching Oakland A's baseball. Be an A's fan um, local. I can't, you know what? That's what I should have asked Matt about. Well, he, he didn't have the time, but I just, I can't bring myself to be a Kings and A's fan. It just seems like you're
2: signing up for torture. Someone's going to break through eventually. They'll probably be the A's, but still. <sighs> I don't know. The A's are a winning team, man. They are.
1: No, they are. And uh, funny enough, the team that I abandoned, the Giants, who, you know, I'm sure a lot of people will... Giants fans seem to be very upset when people aren't Giants fans locally, so well, the Giants um, they'll probably also, get very
2: upset at me for leaving. But a Giants fan, I'm sorry, but they're not going to be this good for the, the whole year. The
1: term that I have used, and I guess it's not the right term because <laughs> everyone has laughed at me when I say it, but the Giants just aren't sexy. They aren't. Like... There's nothing about the team watching them that and granted, when they were good, I guess the winning was the sex appeal to them. But I mean, I, I was a fan, so I, I understand i, do, fun I they were fun to watch they were fun to watch. Young, young was, Mad Bum, young Posey. Yeah, I mean they would win four nothing and four to three and they weren't the most exciting electric games, but the the drama, the I mean, really, the pure baseballness torture, of it. They, yeah, they I mean, it exactly. The Every pure, game was close. The pure, like, small balling of it. It was, it, it was fun, beautiful to watch, especially when it ended up being successful. Yeah, but when you're trying to do that with old, aging veterans who are. I mean, I, they're, hey, they're just uh, they're they're very bland they're, is, is the term I will use. They are very they bland are. superstars. They're um, winning. They're they are winning. Not, they're, they are definitely winning. It's and sustainable though. I'll tell you what. It's sustainable. I've seen none of it. So maybe uh, maybe I think it's just best for all parties if we just let bygones be bygones. You guys are happy with your success. I'm agnostic, so
2: <laughs> I'm just kind of hey man. Well, we'll ask you when in we the on a weekly basis. We'll, uh, we'll we'll figure it out eventually. Um. Oh, my hopefully. goodness. While we're on the podcast, the A's are going to relo- They're exploring relocation to. It says the Oakland. Jeff Passon of ESPN. As I, we're talking I see, about. I see this, your phone just the, lighting up. The so. Oakland A's will start exploring relocation possibilities after Major League Baseball suggested the organization consider moving to other cities if the Howard Terminal Stadium proposal is not approved. Sacramento. Well, I mean, that's. Exa- I mean, I
1: hate to be a homer, but it's pretty funny that as one deal in sacramento falls through another one might be on the horizon it's it seems like a pretty perfect marriage if the a's were to want a different site i mean the renderings have already been posted the location is already there at the rail yards sacramento a's man it's uh it's been something that people have kind of joked about for for quite some time but that that sounds like where there's smoke there's fire potentially hey i mean yeah there and was- there's not many options i mean They can move maybe to somewhere in the Bay Area. They can go San Jose. They can do kind of like what the Niners did when they moved to Santa Clara and just kind of be a Bay Area team. Um, Maybe try and embrace that a little more. But, uh, I mean, you look at it, and Northern California is a little bit up – not Northern California, but the Sacramento and up portion of Northern California is, I feel like, up for grabs. And the A's for sure do not have any hold on anybody. I mean, in the Bay Area, the Bay Area is a giants, giant's town. So they're not really making much headway there.
2: The only problem is uh, the article says the likeliest possibility if the A's do pursue pursue relocation would be Las Vegas. Wow. Well, poor Oakland man. Yeah, just Oakland's getting just wow. Also, (laughs) is
1: that well? Hopefully, they would get their own stadium.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. They wouldn't share that football state no. They wouldn't share. Well,
1: also, hopefully, you know, just for the fact that they've been sharing it for, what, 20, 30 years now. And no. then finally get free of them just no to love. go back
2: in. No love for Sacramento. It just says Las Vegas, Portland, Vancouver, See, Nashville, they're not Charlotte. Thinking, they're not thinking realistic. Nope. Until the Those King, are not realistic. Not the Kings until Sacramento comes up with the, the whales. Yep. Where are the whales, baby? Look, Where baseball money's different. Like, that's not...
1: I. I personally would argue that you know investing in Sac Republic is probably a pretty decent investment. I think the m l s especially just soccer in America in general is on the rise, but if you're talking about investing in a baseball team, that's some secured legacy money like that's not something that's like, yeah, like let's try and hop on. Kind of like in the model of the NBA when, teams were, when people were buying teams left and right in the 80s and 90s, early 2000s, and now we see those club valuations at like $500 million or whatever. So it's not one of those things. You're going to be paying up front. Well, you'll probably be paying the least you could possibly play for a baseball team yeah. with the A's, but <clears throat> I'd imagine, right. what do you think that goes for? Well, also, they're not even saying they're selling the team, right? That's, no. That's not part of it. This it's is just relocation. A very new
2: report. There's a lot that's going to come behind this. I'm sure yeah. that that deal also still could happen. The Howard Terminal, I mean, it should it should happen, like, I think. I would think so. There's I a mean, lot of, you know, I don't know. They've been working on it for a very long time. We'll which see. I, mm, I don't
1: know. The fact that that report does come out, though, does make me skeptical. I mean, you, you if things are going well, you're
2: not going to uh, – you're not going to be dropping reports I need about. to read more into it. Yeah. But also, uh, sign up before we end this episode. Um, uh, ben Affleck and J Lo are back together, apparently. Oh, your boy, A Alex Rodriguez, <laughs> poor guy.
1: Gosh, another loss for the t- Yankees this year. Bro, My t- goodness. TMZ
2: asked him, "How do? You, how are you after the Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck vacation? Do you know what A Rod said back Broken. to them? Broken. A Rod said back to them, two words: Go Yankees." <laughs>
1: Bruh, you're lying. That's what he said to Ben and Jen. Being pe- Benifer, Benifer is back together. Wow, coming to a Boston Red Sox game near you. Yeah, that will be hilarious. That's um, hurt. That's hurt. Wow.
2: Anywho, hurt people, hurt people, man. Hurt people. The A's <laughs> might move. Uh, a Rod is 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 very upset. Yeah. Down in the dumps. J Lo's back with Ben, and the King season ends next week. So things are. The world is
1: getting back to normal, man. Yeah,
2: the world was healing. <laughs> yep. Sunday night King Season will be over. Chris will be in attendance. I'll be there tonight for my last game uh in person and we will uh we'll see you guys next week with special guest Jay J-Mars. Mars. I was J-Mars. like, should we maybe like
1: just like cut it right there and just yeah. not have people know? Who maybe it is. we'll do that. Maybe I'll just like maybe I'll blank that out.
2: Maybe we'll blank that yeah. out. Yeah. No, well. Jay Mars deserves some love. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, now I'm not okay. Yeah, shout out Jay. Don't, Jay is going to be, be joining us don't next be an week. Ass. Uh uh ass. Jay of the uh, Carmichael Dave Morning Show with Jay Mars. I'm going to start adding yep. in. I the do every with day when I right.
2: schedule because Jay's literally he's the, the co-host. The guy yep. deserves some love. Yep. So
1: We love Jay. So, we love uh, Jay,
2: and uh, we love you.
1: <laughs> yes, we do. Um, so with that love, uh, take it, bottle it, enjoy it, spread it. Love, not anything else. Okay. But, yeah, we should definitely end this episode now. Okay. So, for Frankie Carnicelli, I am Chris Watkins. For Matt George as well, who joined us earlier. Thank you, Matt. Um, This has been the Return of the Roar podcast. Thank you, Pfizer. Shout out, Pfizer.